Mic check one two one two one two one two. Are you gonna bust a verse for him? We've been yeah. waiting for years. Check it. Alright. Nah, nah. <laughs> we was gonna make history, Paul. Yo, man, I got rhymes galore. I got rhymes galai. Galai? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Galai. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that's the oh man, yeah. if I could give these episodes different titles, <laughs> this one would be rhymes galai. <laughs> Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. This is Open Mike Eagle recording live from the internet. Y'all know me, though. Y'all heard my voice for a long, long time. So this time I'm coming back at you, but I'm not coming alone. The Black Prince? Could I be right? I brought the legendary Prince World-famous disc jock, inventor of the skit in hip-hop, and damn, we won a Grammy with Chris Rock, yeah. On behalf of the super fans, yeah, cause I'm one, and the answers are for everybody. He got stories, so I asked for one. We having fun and laughs, cause he has a ton, yeah. And like that, a podcast begun, cause he answered, well, what had happened was. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, whatever part of the day you're listening to this. My name is Open Mike Eagle, and this is What Had Happened Was, where every week, every week, every week, I interview my <laughs> esteemed guest, the one and only, Mr. Prince Paul. How you doing today, Paul? What up? We're here to explore your illustrious career, and on this week's episode, we're going to explore a group, a collaboration you were part of that I think a lot of people are going to be very excited to hear about. Hmm. And that is Handsome Boy Modeling School. Handsome Boy. Very handsome. Yes, I am Chess Rockwell. Chess Rockwell. You're not wearing a mustache, though, so you can't be Chess Rockwell. I do have a mustache. But you're not wearing the one in the picture I'm looking at with the with the things on the side. Well, you know, sometimes you got to start them over again. You know, it's like plants when they grow too much. You uh-huh. got to clip them joints off oh, so okay. they can grow properly. Okay. So by the time I do the next album, it should look like Drake's dad. <laughs> 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 by, the time, by the time I'm ready. That's a serious mustache. <laughs> what? His joint is incredible. <laughs> that's like a man's mustache. It really is. Right? It's thick. Yo, them joints, yo, that's one thing that's changed in time, right? Like the mustache is like, you don't see them things like hey, the Tom Selleck look, joints. And- yo, I've been trying to talk my barber into not cutting my mustache for like a year. He just won't do it. <laughs> he just won't do it. Like he can't. He can't not cut it. Every time. I'm like, I know you need to do something. Just do the bottom. He all every time he cuts it lower. Hey man, that's why handsome boy's here for you, my friend. I need a lesson. Hey. How do I tell my barber to leave my face alone? You just glue one on. Okay, that's you know. Okay, it's it's, it's like it's like the weave for the face. <laughs> Get a lace front mustache. <laughs> hey man, that sounds good. Hey, you're talking my language. <laughs> Well, it's only right that you give us handsome boy modeling lessons on this episode since the whole the whole concept of this collaboration is the modeling school. Okay. So and sixty dollars is- in a dream, man. Sixty dollars <laughs> in a dream. And you give sixty dollars to yourself, Chess Rockwell, or your partner, Nathaniel Merriweather. In order to enroll in the Handsome Boy Modeling yeah, School at the at the lovely Hansonium Institute in, <laughs> in sunny Burbank, California, where we were just uh, at recently, which I got a chance to see the school in action. Yeah, yeah. yeah so what's what's it looking like these days? It's a little crazy because me and Mayweather, uh, Merriweather, I should say, has been uh, traveling to Milan. You know, it's a different place. To travel. Yeah, we're, we're looking at different fabrics. Oh, you know fun. Touch anything nice? Hey, man. As we all know, and we'll explain to people who don't, your partner, Nathaniel Merriweather, is Dan the Automator. Yes, Dan. Handsome Dan. Handsome Dan. Yes. Y'all put together the first album with this collaboration and concept in 1999. Yeah. Woo, that was 20 years ago. 20 Jesus. years ago. I'm an old man. <laughs> I am. I yeah. can own it. Yeah, handsome boy is handsome man now. Yeah, but you know what? Handsomeness never gets old. That's true. There's a lot of handsome women too. Remember B. Arthur? She was yeah, very handsome. Very, very striking. Yeah. Who's a handsome woman nowadays, in your opinion? Uh Sigourney Weaver is always handsome. <laughs> She's always been handsome. Always. Very, especially in Ghostbusters. <laughs> and Lizzo. Lizzo, super <laughs> handsome. Oh my God. 
Drop dead handsome. Hey, I had to bring it to the present day for the kids. That's real. You know, they that's go, what's going on? We were B. Yeah. Arthur. Who's that? <laughs> <laughs> it's an old man talk. Yeah, well, you know, we got a demographic too. <laughs> so, how did you link up with Dan in the first place? Oh, man, Dan the Automator. I love that guy. Well, when I did a record called Psychoanalysis, it was put out before Tommy Boy picked it up by a friend of mine named Skiz, mm-hmm. who had a record label called Word Sound. Well, you know, that was Skiz's side hustle was the label, but his main source of income at that point was he was a writer mm-hmm. for different periodicals and whatever. Music writer? Yeah, music writer. Okay. And he interviewed Dan the Automator because Dr. Octagon just came out I see. at the same time. And I guess speaking to Dan, he was like, yeah, man, work with Prince Paul, put a record out. And he's like, oh, Prince Paul, man, you know, tell him I want him to remix a song on the Dr. Octagon album called Blue Flowers. Oh, my God, I love that remix. You are beautiful. That's how it started, you know, and then that's when Skiz was like, hey, maybe you guys should do a tour together, which didn't happen, by the way. I'll put that in advance. You being the psychologist and him being the doctor and da, 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 that'd be kind of a cool concept to go out on the road. All right, because psychoanalysis was you as a psychologist and him and he's the doctor and doctor. Okay, okay. And he's like, yeah. So anyway, he put me and Dan on the phone because one time I was at Skiz's house and he's like, yeah, man, I got Automator on the phone. I want to talk to him. Big fan of Dr. Octagon, like, who isn't, right? Great album. Mm-hmm. And that's when he said, yeah, I want you to mix Blue Flowers. And then in the process of chatting, you know, I always say, man, I've been 18 since I was 18. Like, right. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> we got in the subject of Chris Elliott and Get a Life. Yeah. So I did see that the concept came from Get a Life. The Chris Elliott show that was on Fox. What? That show was amazing. That show was incredible. <laughs> so stupid. So how did you start watching that show? I mean, were you always an avid TV watcher? At that time, you got to remember, right? Fox was a little upstart. Yeah, Yeah. it was a little courageous Mary Mary with Children, Simpsons. Like, yeah, they was coming out the gate trying to get Hey, remember Herman's Head? I do remember Herman's Head. Nobody ever talks about Herman's Head. Herman's Head was incredible. (laughs) Like the stupidest shows. Yeah. But for some reason... Get a Life was just so freaking stupid, but brilliant at the same yeah. time, in my eyes. And so to find somebody, now this is way after, not way, but it was after the show had gone off the air, yeah. to have a conversation with somebody, and we're both like little kids, like, yeah, remember the episode? And we're going through episodes, you remember? Wow. And so we talked about Get a Life more than we talked about making music than anything else. And so that was our bonding moment, you know what I'm saying, was obviously the music part, but Chris Elliott get a life, which really started Handsome Boy, but that's how we met. And then after I did the remix for Blue Flowers, We'll get back into it in one second, but I need to take a quick moment and shout out our sponsor, DistroKid. Man, so many of my homies use DistroKid. It's a music distribution service that makes distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keeping 100% of their royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to put their music on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all the major streaming services. A million plus artists, and I swear I know at least 100 of them. And now DistroKid has an app. You can use the app to upload new releases, see your DistroKid bank, and get notified when you've earned royalties. You can even check your streaming stats live. The DistroKid app is now available on iOS. Go to the App Store and download it. DistroKid also has a new feature called Instant Share that allows you to easily share large files securely with collaborators, producers, booking agents, managers, playlist curators, and more. Basically, anybody that needs access to your music, there's an easy way to upload it and send them a link. Go to distrokid.com slash instant share, drag and drop your files to upload, and then you can copy and send your link right there. It's free to send one gigabyte of files. That's like 100 MP3s. Don't quote me on that. Go to distrokid.com slash open mic. That's distrokid.com slash open mic. O-P-E-N-M-I-K-E for 30% off your membership. I think he realized I'm not as whack as I 
you know, <laughs> appear to be some tie. He was like, wow, that's a pretty good remix. That shit was amazing. And it's like, oh, thank you. I, 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 like, it, I like it myself, yeah. actually. We started talking about the episodes of Get a Life. And then remember Handsome Boy Marlin School? And we're like, ah, we should make a group called Handsome Boy Marlin School. And we're just joking. It wasn't even like serious. Ah, ha, 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 ha. Well, I had Dan do a remix of one of the songs for Psychoanalysis, which brought him up to Tommy Boy. You know, like visiting Tommy Boy. I guess maybe he had to pick up a check or whatever. Sure. And then sure they wanted to meet him as well. Oh, Dan, the automator, right? So up there, while he's, while he's at Tommy Boy, he randomly says, yeah, me and Paul, we got a group called Handsome Boy Marlin School. And they go, we want to sign it. Wow. And so he's like, now, mind you, we didn't, never had a conversation. Yeah, nothing. About, nothing. Yeah. It was just being silly. Yo, yo, Paul. <laughs> I'm like, what? Yo, we, we got to make a head to boy. Bottle school record, man. The time boy wants to sign it, man. I'm going to get them drunk the contracts. <laughs> I was like, what? How'd you do that? He's like, uh. so we're just giggling. We're like, oh, man, now we got to figure something out. Right. Now, you know, it's easy because the concept is already there. All right. Uh-huh. But now we got to put this into action. And that was the initial start of Handsome Boy Model School. Do you remember what it was or what the initial Chris Elliott Get a Life episode was like with the Handsome Boy Modeling School in it? Like what was happening in the show? It was Chris Elliott. He decided one day that he wanted to become a model. Okay. He's like, Mom, Dad, I have a drop-dead gorgeous handsome face. I'm going to become a model. And then the <laughs> father's dissing him, as always, in the episode. And so he sees this thing in the paper that says, Handsome Boy Modeling School, $60, you know, da 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 So he goes to the school, takes the courses. Obviously, he has somebody who he's competing in the school. Mm-hmm. The whole thing is to get a, a runway job at the local department store. Like, that's the ultimate goal of, <laughs> of all the models. <laughs> so at some point, Chris Elliott gets a gig, which he seems to think is a legit modeling job, mm-hmm. you know, like for his looks, because now he's like full of himself. It's like, oh, I look good. And of course, you know, he see the way he looks, whatever the case is. And it turns out that they want him to use a before and after for a fat, uh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but he doesn't realize he's the before. <laughs> so they're like, yeah, man, why don't, you, uh, why don't you model for us? Yeah, give us that look. Give us this look. Okay, Take your shirt off. off. Right. Do what? Take your shirt off. He's like, take, take my shirt off. And he goes through this whole thing. And yeah, so that that's the initial show, you know. And eventually at the end, crashes a runway model job at the local department store. Yeah. And that, that's it. So y'all had the concept. Yes. How do y'all actually start working together? Once the contract's real and y'all are really going to do this, <laughs> how do you choose to go about putting this record together? Well, First thing I do is, you know, me and Dan, you know, we talk about it. We're like, okay, you're handsome in Moscow. What are we going to do? Uh, well, let's get together. Mm-hmm. So I flew out to San Francisco to his house, which he has a studio in. And at that time, we figured, okay, we need to be compatible. Let's get some equipment so that even when I go to New York, we could kind of talk to each other. Because we was using different pieces of equipment back then. To produce yeah. beats? Or- yeah, he was using like, uh, oh, I forgot what it is. Really popular not popular drum machine, but in a circle. I was using the ASR. He was using the studio, something studio. I can't remember the name. Jesus. Is that Roland thing? Nah, okay. nah, nah, nah. But anyway, he was using that. So our whole common denominator, we're going to get, because it just came out, was the Kai 2000, MPC okay. 2000. So we got MPC 2000s. We faced him toward each other in his living room while watching TV. Like we, we, like we would have the TV on or we would go down to the... <laughs> <laughs> we would go down to the video back in the days of the video stores, ladies and gentlemen. You don't have those anymore. But going out to the video stores and find the stupidest videos we could find. I'm just like, well, what's that? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was just just the dumbest cover. Look, man, we watched the video. It was a woman in heels walking up and down a hill. That was the whole video. And walking oh. click, 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 and they'd show her feet. <laughs> it was like an hour. <laughs> we like. Ah, 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 ah. <laughs> Watching just the dumbest thing. But what did that inspire y'all to do? What did these videos inspire y'all to do? Just make us laugh. (laughs) (laughs) It just kept everything lighthearted. Okay. So we had the NPCs together. The stupid, I had to paint the picture, uh, stupid videos in the background. And we would go through different samples and stuff and different records. We play it and go, does that sound handsome? Uh, that was the gauge. And you knew if it was handsome or not. Ah, that's not handsome. <laughs> oh, no, that's very handsome. So we was compiling different sounds that's and different tight. samples into a handsome pile. 
or handsome disc that wow. we put it on. And once we compiled all the handsome sounds, we figured, okay, now let's start to put these different things together and make them into solid songs. Wow. And that's how we did. Like, so that's why the vibe of the album is a certain vibe. You know, it sounds handsome. Yeah. You and know. It, it also sounds very California, yeah. you know? Hey, that's where I recorded it. Yeah. <laughs> so, we, yeah, we kept it handsome. Keeping it handsome partially, you know, keep, to let you know is think of John Travolta in Saturday Night Fever when he's yeah. walking, you know, can I walk like that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, but not down that street per se, but. It's a soundtrack to life. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, this would be good. For, oh, yeah. Oh, man, that's very handsome. Oh, yeah. So we use that as the running thing. Is this handsome? And once we got all the music together, it was like, what artist could we get? We got some juice, but really not that much juice. But y'all got a crazy group of collaborators between both albums, but even on the first one. You know what I mean? You got Del, Grand Poobas, Dot X, DJ Shadow. It's interesting because we didn't have Deltron yet. So we don't know about Del and Dan and DJ Shadow. Like it's a lot of this kind of like California sound stuff that was happening that happened maybe like a little bit after that, you know, is is what it seemed like to me that y'all were like pulling together. But I wanted to ask you something about the production workflow. Right. right? Because you got two producers, two right. very accomplished producers that are making this project together. Like, how do y'all decide what the workflow is going to be from song to song? It would go in a few different ways. Like, one way would be somebody will make a skeleton. Mm -hmm. He goes drum beat. He goes whatever the main loop or main sound or whatever's being played at the time. Ooh. It's almost like sliding the MPC over. Like, shh. Mm. Oh, I got something for that. Oh, word? Because everything inspires something else. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's like communication, like conversation. You tell me one thing, like, oh, and then I add on to whatever the conversation is, mm -hmm. and so it's back and forth. So same thing musically. We're just like, oh, oh, oh. Like I said, it all starts with a skeleton. And sometimes maybe we don't hear it right then. It's the skeleton, and you take it home, and then you add on to it, subtract, or whatever the case is. And then we come together, obviously, and go, yeah, that's dope. That's kind of what I'm interested in. I wonder what happens if one of y'all makes a choice and the other one's not that into it. How does that conversation unfold? That hasn't really happened. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it's two things. One, like I said, it hasn't really happened. I wouldn't say at all, but not that often. And the other one is the respect of each other. Mm -hmm. I highly respect Dan. I think he's super duper talented. I've learned a lot by watching him. And I'd like to say he's learned a lot as well mm -hmm. from me. So with that respect from the onset, the other person makes their case, I guess, a little easier mm -hmm. or it's a little more compelling if I'm like, Oh, yeah, man, well, that's Dan. You know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He goes, man, it's Prince Paul. He did blow. You know what I'm saying? So you go, okay. Right. And if it's anything crazy, it's like, well, let me alter it. So even if there is something to alter, you still respect the other person's opinion because like, oh, okay, well, that's Dan. He says that's whack, so maybe it is, or maybe I'll change this. Or if it, we really adamant about it, not one person go like, man, F you, man, it's not mm -hmm. handsome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. And so it made it really easy. The work process was easy. Definitely for the first album, we worked that way. One thing that really jumped out to me listening to the first album, especially, you know, now that we've been doing it, we've been talking about this, and I've really, like, listened to a lot of your stuff, like, back to back to back to back. One thing I noticed about this album, y'all got the clear concept, Hands of Modeling School, but it's not executed in, like, skits. No. Especially in the first album. Like, compared to, like, how you usually rock, Chris Rock to the Daylight stuff, like, there's usually a lot of skits that tie everything together. Was it a conscious decision not to execute the concept in skits this time? Yeah, I mean, I think we wanted to do, like, interludes and stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, like, you hear, you know, you miss another handsome boy graduate. Yeah. You know, they made me take off my top. You right. know, like, <laughs> little things like that as opposed to... It's more to, like using sound itself rather than having actors. Plus, you got to keep in mind, like, I did A Prince Among Thieves the that same. came out the same year, and I was skidded out. Right. You know, that whole thing was just, like, constant recording vocals and pieces. I was done. Uh -huh. And that's not Dan's forte. So I stayed away from it, nor did I go, you know what this needs? Right. You know, I was not trying to do it. Any extra work. Workflow-wise for you that year, so you did Prince Among Thieves first and then started working on this, or were you working at the same time? Yeah, Prince Among Thieves, I finished in 98. That's right, and it just came out a year Yeah, later. I was recording it in 97, so mm -hmm. it was an old project by the time that we did this. I would say this album, probably, we did it like in months. Okay. Probably the only thing that might have took long was just getting some of the vocals together, because I remember chasing Mike D around from the Beasties. Mm-hmm. 
to to record that vocal and i recorded it like on a four track because he was like yeah man i'm rehearsing wherever i'm doing something somewhere i'm like yo i'll be there hold tight <laughs> got a microphone gave him a headset and he's just talking yeah you know it was by any means necessary there's a lot of kamikaze recording all the handsome boy records are like that so how did you go about choosing a collaborator since it is kind of an unsuspected group of people you end up working with we just write down a list of people. Because I remember at that point, Dan was a big Dell fan. Yeah. And Dell lived close to him, but he didn't know Dell. So I was like, oh, I know Dell. I, you know, work him, da da da. Let me introduce you to him. And so that's probably the first person we recorded was Dell. We went to, I forgot where it was, maybe wherever the hieroglyphics place or Dell spot. I don't think Dell went to Dan's place. Don't quote me on this because I don't really remember. But that's the first introduction they had. And that's us coming together and go, okay. Dell, we both like him. He's dope. And Dan was definitely like, yo, we got to record him on the record. I was like, I agree. Mm -hmm. Sat there and recorded him. And everybody else was just relationships, who we knew, who we think we could get. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's, it's not like I'm at that time, Teddy Riley. Let me think of somebody who was like, <laughs> you know, Timberland or somebody. I don't know who was popping at the time, you know, that everybody wanted to work with. And same goes for Dan. So we had to keep within our realistic goals. Mike D to me was probably the stretch. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, luckily for me, I've worked with them. I did a remix for the Beastie Boys. I did Root Down. And we were always fans of each other's music. So by the time I got a chance to meet them, it was also, oh my God. So I was able to seize the opportunity. That, right. You know what? <laughs> I'm recording. Uh, and so we built up a rapport and that helped a lot. But like I said, it was Kamikaze recording. It wasn't like he came down at two o'clock to building 431 or right. whatever avenue. It was like, I just need to catch him, you know. So how did you end up linking with like LP, for instance? LP has a verse on this. Oh, one. LP. <laughs> I wish LP was here to tell a story. Oh, I don't know if that was Dan's idea or my idea. All I know was like, okay, I remember LP, Company Flow. Yeah. I, me and Mr. Len are, are really cool. And so we was like, yeah, man, let's get LP. Yeah, that'd be dope. I don't know who contacted him. It was either, probably Dan was contacted LP. And then <laughs> we gave LP, what you hear on the record mm -hmm. was not originally what LP rhymed on. It's because we gave it to Alec Empire to right. remix it. And so like... <laughs> It didn't sound nothing like that. It was totally different. So LP, when it was finally done, and it's funny because you got to have him tell the story. He's like, yo, I went up to Mr. Lenz. Like, yo, I did the song with Dan and Paul. It's crazy. He's like, he's all happy. And he's like, yo, let me play it for you. Da, da, da. It's on the album. And he said, he played. He's like, wait, I didn't rhyme to that. <laughs> he's like, man, my rhymes are all off. And then oh, that thing was, <laughs> so homeboy just moved it and did whatever he did. He said, the beat's not the same. He's like, he felt stupid. He said, he said, Len was like, yeah, man, I don't know what he was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> it was a, a big misrepresentation of what originally so, so was. So he's not happy with the final product. No, nah, he wasn't. Okay. It, it was a, and I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> 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 it was definitely bait and switch to a certain extent, but we didn't know it was going to come out like that either. Right. And Alec Empire it was definitely Dan's connect because I had no idea who that is. And I learned a, a lot through Dan, and, like and wise I, people. I would imagine like somebody like Sean Lennon, right? Like how did that come about? I think Dan brought him up. He's like, yeah, that'd be really cool. We should get him. So a lot of it's connect. And then, you know, and if you're, you know, for the first time working with a lot of people that you aren't used to working with, did you have any sort of like trepidation about, especially different styles of music? Because no. like, like Sean Lennon is like super like indie rock, kind of like singer songwriter. And that's, that hasn't been your wheelhouse. No, I mean, I think it's always developing a relationship with everybody you work with and talking mm -hmm. to them and, and make sure whoever you're working with is cool. If you notice everybody on that record, it's cool. Yeah. They're cool people. You know, it's not anybody in there you can really name and go, eh. The probably the most hardcore you're going to get is brand Nubian. And they're not even people you can't be accessible to. You know what I'm saying? Oh, we once saw Sadat cut somebody out so hard. On the phone. <laughs> it, was a, it, was, it was almost comical. <laughs> it was almost comical. We had just did a show. Oh, no. We were all in the same festival together. And he rocked with Elder Sensei because they had a group together. And... I'm on the festival too. So after they get off stage, I'm like, you know, I'm just gonna say what up. I got a badge. I'm good. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like yeah. chopping it up with L. And then you just hear somebody cussing like five feet away and you look and it's the dot X on the phone cussing somebody six ways from Sunday. <laughs> At the end, and, and I'm talking about loud. And he said, when I see you, have your hands up. 
Cause I'm gonna punch you in your motherfucking face. <laughs> Yo, that's bump. dope. Yeah, that's like, that shit was hard. That's like a lyric. Yo, for real. <laughs> that shit was hard. That shit hey was man, punk shit up to get beat down. <laughs> for real. Nothing but abuse. So you got the handsome boy modeling school concept. Uh, not doing a lot of skits. Uh, y'all, y'all are choosing the aesthetic of handsome to like figure out the sounds and the vibe of the album. Are y'all giving the collaborators for the vocal any sort of direction on like how to align with the concept? Nope. There might be a handful of songs. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I know the one with Miho on the one with, uh, I hate to bring it up again, with Mike D. Mm-hmm. And she's talking and Dan's like, man, I wanted to say this and say that, but I know she's not going to say it. <laughs> I was like, yo, man. Better write the lyrics, Dad. <laughs> He's like, I don't write lyrics. I bet write them. So those are Dad's lyrics. Okay. The, those those are his rhymes. Wow. <laughs> A little fun fact. Those was- are his rhymes that he wrote, and then Mike D just responded to because it, it was already recorded. And when I had the four track, I just told Mike D to respond to whatever he's hearing. It was just a one run thing. That's, so we've talked about this a little bit now. So let's play a little bit of it so people know what we're referencing. Metaphysical style with the good day style. Myelinical projectile puncture, chronicle mother by sixteen injected reflections, computating thoughts through tablets of RAM stored in a floppy. T1 line connect intersect, riding brain waves like a silver Silver surfer wireless modern hand. Raising sandy swords, I get metaphysical. Ooh, Dan the Automator. Yeah, you could tell he was just winging it. He's like, here's a mic. <laughs> just respond to it if you're here. Yeah, word up. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Physical stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so with that being said, now when you hear the song, you could kind of look at it a little differently. And yeah, we're talking about metaphysical rappers. Yeah, you know, but we was like joking around. It's like, yo, I said, yo, they should write one of those raps. Oh, man, they're going to do it. Then he did it, and that's what it and came it kinda out And it's funny because it kind of sounded like Dr. Octagon style. <laughs> you know what I mean? The other dude, he had Chewbacca uncircumcised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it kind of sound yeah. like that. Stream of consciousness, just, you know. Hey, you could tell. Maybe that was his inspiration. You yeah, know, he's around yeah. it long enough, recorded it, you know. Soaked it up. Soaked it up. So, people aren't necessarily giving direction. You're just giving them beats, and they're coming to the studio and just kind of writing what they want to write with. Yeah, for the most part. You know, unless we have something that we're going, like, metaphysical, or we got a hook like rock and roll can never hit pop like this, but that's instrumental. Mm-hmm. You know, but yeah, a lot of it is just go with it. We'll put the handsome around it. Put the handsome around it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like you come in here, you know, just kind of a naked palette and then we will just, you know, add our little accessories to you. Make you handsome. You got a call with Biz Marquee on this. <laughs> he didn't know it was on the record. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So first of all, what made you record the call? Because... I knew I would get something funny out of him. Okay. Because I don't even think he knew he was even on the record. I think to the day. He probably still don't know. No, nah, I don't think he's yeah. ever even listed the album. But I was like, oh, man, this will be funny. Because I was thinking, like, we needed some stuff to, just to put in the middle. Just, yeah. to, you know. Interlude stuff. Yeah, interludes to, to show it's handsome. I mean, right. some of the, you know, yeah, we got the handsome music and stuff. I don't want to do skits. Right. But it'd be kind of funny to put this on here. So I was like, oh, man. With Biz, I could always get something funny. Of course, back in the day with the cassette tape recorder <laughs> you know you just put it on and i just baited him into it you know the bgs let's let's check that out too yo that that tell you about this um this new project you know my man automated is doing it's called handsome boy modeling school what the fuck is that <laughs> <laughs> yo i didn't tell you about that no no yo, yo it's l it's l so, so what you gonna contribute to a biz mart Look at you. See, he's going your Kanye I thing. To, um, I want you to sing like, um, like, 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 um, like the Bee Gees. Oh, yeah, I'm like that. I want you to sing like Night Fever. I'm like that. <laughs> Yo, you do that? That was beautiful. <laughs> Another beautiful biz. Hey, man, I know him well. You do know him well. You've worked with him a bunch. Some of my favorite collaborations you've made are with Biz. Biz, yeah, he's a good guy. Well, of course, Prince Among Thieves. He's doing the beatbox thing. Yes, boss. Yeah, boss. 
the other joint with Chubb or the uh, Chub on the A soundtrack. Ding, 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 that shit oh, is beautiful. I that love that song is too, man. Awesome. Like just Chubb Rock killed it. Yo, with the consumers and the kids who drop rumors on Timberlands and Matt Sway Pumas. Ah, yeah. Like, and, oh, and, and it starts off with the, you getting biz to do the biz scream yeah. and shit. Ah, oh, ding, yeah. ding. Yo, that was very raw record, man. Like, I uh, gave them, like, these real cheap mics I bought out of, like, <laughs> I think Manny's or Sam Ash or something. And it was, like, buy, like, five for $20 It's <laughs> It was, like, mad cheap. And you could hear it when you listen to that song, too. It's poor quality. Yeah, we're going to hear a little bit of that, too, real quick. Because I didn't talk Come it up. On. Break it down. That sound like it hurt. <laughs> what happened? Come on! This beat so what crazy. And your squads and your fans car to bourgeois to invade the media. God, I love that. Ooh, I've heard that in years. Yo, I have to listen to that oh. on YouTube, dude. Because I don't know what happened with that project, but it's not on streaming services. I, I'll send you the song. Yo, I'll I would, send it to you. I would love you have it. to remind me. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a few different versions of that, too. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I got I got them. I think it's on that tape. I have to look. But I definitely have the main version. Yeah, that was fun. It was a quick song. Yeah. But you know, the Ooh. Americans die slowly. Sound there's a bunch of bangers on there. You know, that was a, that was a crazy compilation. Yeah, you know, a lot of like really ill songs. Like that's that's something like damn. How do we how do we get that into the streaming era? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? We need need the kids to be able to check that out. But I always love your collaborations with Biz. So I just want to take a second and like talk about that. And we talked about it the episode where we discussed as Sonic how you started out. He's one of the first rappers you ever really worked with. He used to come by your house and all that. Yeah. Yo, but it's funny talking about my brother who's always like, man, hip hop's going to die and everything else. Biz used to come by like, oh, who's this guy? <laughs> just, just dissing him. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, God bless Biz, man, because how he made the vapors. Yeah. I was there. I've seen him. I've seen people used to diss him because, you know, Biz. Not being very dashing. Yeah, he wasn't man. very handsome. <laughs> you know, to be on his handsome boy, right? Yeah, you know, he was he, not the most handsome guy. I, I, I did say it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll, I'll use dashing. You know, <laughs> uh, he used to get it, man. Yeah. I, I used to hear it when people would walk past him. Or I would hear certain things being said, and that kind of my mom loved him because yeah. you know it, she's like, oh, you know, he's. Because Biz is a nice dude. He yeah. tells a lot of stories, though. You okay. know, he, he'll tell you some stuff that's just <laughs> like, yo, man, I got BMW made a Biz collab. It's called Biz MW. We're coming out next week. You know, he'll just like tell you some stuff. Yeah, Luther Vandross went to borrow my chain. <laughs> Luther Vandross. Yeah, which his face told me that one. I think uh, Kane. He's like, yeah, man, you know what Biz said, man. And we're talking about Biz stories. He'll do all of that stuff, but. He's, you know, he's a really good guy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it's always been cool. And I'm glad to see he made it. If anybody, out of all my friends and all the people we grew up, I'm really happy for him because he uh, went through it. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's really worked hard at being where he's at. Right. So, you had him on the rack. You tricked him into... into <laughs> I didn't into, trick him. <laughs> into singing Night Fever um, <laughs> as a way to, you know, sprinkle some more handsome into the project. When y'all are done putting this together... Yeah. Uh, it's definitely a vibe. You know what I mean? It's definitely like a vibe album. Whereas earlier that year, you dropped Prince Among Thieves, which is like the most Prince Paulist of Prince Paul projects. You know what I mean? Like rap, super, like super <laughs> rap, super skits. You know what I mean? You got New Kirk. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's everything it's that my you, crew. you bring to the table. And then you got this project, which is a lot less of that. You know what I mean? It's a, much more of like a true collaboration with two people and a lot of your signature things aren't a part of it. So like when it's all wrapped up, how did you think about the music? Like how did the music strike you? I was like, what is this? Right. Yo, this is different. I couldn't figure it out myself. I knew it had a vibe to it. 
and I knew it was cool, but I personally didn't put a lot of my stamp on it. One, because I really wanted to be, as you said, a true collaboration between me and Dan. So I didn't want to like, yeah, let's do it. This is strictly 50-50. But I wanted to distance myself as Prince Paul from it as mm. much as I could. Hence the name Chess Rockwell. Right. Tell me about the name. I got it from Boogie Nights. Okay. Because <laughs> we was thinking of names. And I told Dan, I was like, I'm not, I don't want to go as Prince Paul. Mm. I want to go as somebody different. And I think Boogie Nights just came out around that time a little bit before. And I was like, yo, I'm going as Chess Rock. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's what I'm going as. And he's like, yeah, okay. And then he made up Nathaniel Merriweather. He's like, yeah. And that was, I think, from Get a Life. I think it was from Get a Life, yeah. Yeah, or what was it, Cabin Boy. Oh, so. another Chris Elliott. Yeah, thing. I think it was yeah. Cabin Boy. So I was like, cool. And if you notice on the album cover, I have a mustache. Yeah, man. Dan doesn't. Right. Because I purposely wanted to change my whole persona. I really wanted to totally reinvent. Because I was like, handsome boy. I wonder how people's going to take that. Mm, I don't know. I really got to distance Prince Paul from this one. I mm. got to make... I mean, people's going to know it's me, but I really got to reinvent a character. Right. So I was like, I got to look different too. So I went, came up that day, put on the handlebar joint. <laughs> Dan's going to be like, I'm crazy. <laughs> Because, you know, Dan doesn't have a mustache. He doesn't. He, he jumped on the mustache afterwards. <laughs> I mean, but it's so striking, the visuals, and the giant martini glass, and, yeah. the, and the cigar, yeah, and, the and, girls like the, you know, the and the button open on, the, on his shirt. You know what I mean? Was Chess Rockwell, was it just visual? Like, did you develop that character any further? Like, is it a different person than Prince Paul? In the live show, it's like a refined Kanye West. Hmm. I like to say, you know, Kanye West comes and say, man, I'm the best, I'm this, I'm that. But, you know, I try to be a little more eloquent, you know, mm -hmm. with, um, you know, and always giving unwanted advice. <laughs> <laughs> because you look the way you do, and I look better. Oh, wait. <laughs> you know? Tell him, Paul. And, and you know. chest. And yeah, that's, that's how chest would, you know. It's funny, I was really thinking about this recently because I really like to make another, well, we talked about doing another record. We are going to do another record. But I really want to sit and develop the character even mm -hmm. more. Because I've seen so many offshoots of my character in a whole lot of things. I'm like, man, I hate to, you know, be like, I did that first. But yeah, there was commercials. There was much less like, that's my character. Mm. They took my character. And well, I mean, when I, people say that, yeah, I took your character. I've had people say that. Well, where else have you seen it reflected? Oh, man. There was a commercial they wanted me to do. I forgot. It might have been Sprite. One of these commercials. And for some reason I wasn't able to do it or it didn't work out or, you know, whatever. But they got somebody to look like me and with my vibe and everything to do the, the whole thing. And then there's like a few other things like you, you'll see and then print it at. Hey, man, Drake's dad, man. He's yeah, that's just Rockwell, G. That is just Rockwell for sure. So you, you had some concerns about how it might be received. So you yeah. put a little distance between Prince Paul and the project. So when this comes out, how was it received? What did you notice from people? I noticed people like, yo, I really like this. I'm like, Really? I mean, <laughs> I know I like what me and Dan work on, at, you know, separately, but this is a collaboration. You know what I'm saying? Like, because we were just like, yo, F it. We were just having fun and just like, just recording and just like, ah, this is handsome. And, you know, it was very haphazard. Kamikaze recording, mm -hmm. you know, there's really no laws to this, which how music should be done if right. you really think about it. And so when I was getting the, the feedback of, you know, people liked it, but sincerely liked it. And then when I saw the critical acclaim of the record, when I was seeing it in Spin Magazine and Rolling Stone and people like, yo, this, yo, we like this. This is, this is it. And I'm like, what? I struck like the twice in one year. <laughs> I was like, this is amazing. I mean, nothing that was monetarily crazy, but the critical acclaim and the opportunities that came about after these two projects. And you mean the first answer boy and then Prince Among Thieves? Yeah, Prince Among Thieves. And then you got to, that's following Chris Rock doing Roll With The New. You know, I was like, yo, I'm on a roll. Like, what's going on? Like, I really thought my career was over. And Handsome Boy, this album really just Right, because psychoanalysis you were trying to go out on. Yeah, I thought that, that was it. That was responsible for the next three projects, right? Psychoanalysis what? in yeah. one way or another. Yeah, indirectly. It, Chris Rock, Prince Among Thieves, Handsome Boy, Boy Marlin School. All off of psychoanalysis. All off of psychoanalysis. All of just like, F it. I'm, right. I'm about to jump off this bridge. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's, uh, man, all praises due, man. Cause I, 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 didn't, I didn't know. <laughs> And so for this album to be received like that, I was very thankful and I was shocked. Because mm -hmm. like I said, usually on most 
I can never gauge any records I do, right? Because they're all so different and so weird in some way. But this one, I had no clue at all. Because I'm coming with the name Handsome Boy Modeling School. I'm wearing a mustache. <laughs> you know, first time you work with Dan Automate, this is way different than Octagon, way different than anything I've done. Probably closer to Octagon than what I've done. As far as just mood, because it's darker. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like a lot of like the classical vibe. samples that Dan seems to, uh, I think, resonate with him. He, he likes to chop up the, the classical stuff. Yeah, the, the, the violin. Yeah. Yeah. So it was more in, in that vibe. So I was like, huh. but yeah, it was great, man. I was pleasantly surprised. And even to this day, people, handsome boy, handsome boy. And then, and it's always the first album. Yeah, the first album, second album, yeah, it's cool. But the first album. And then when we did shows, and then we would have people, you know, me and Dan come out in a suit, really doing much of nothing except talking gibberish and <laughs> snapping on people in the mustaches, but look in the audience and then girls with blazers and mustache, guys with blazers, like people come and dress the part like oh, us. that's tight. And that, to me, affected me more, I think, than anything. I was like, oh my God, like they, people are really fans of this. Because you, it, it's not just the music then. It is a whole vibe. It, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a whole vibe. And it's something that, like I said, we sat there and joked around and, you know, me putting on a mustache to kind of hide myself. With it. <laughs> and then people are proudly going around wearing mustaches and blazers at our shows and go, handsome boy. Uh, and seeing women do it too. And not just one, but a bunch of people. I'm yeah. like, yo, this is a real movement. Like people love this. Wow. So that to me was really impressive. That was my shedding a tear moment. <laughs> but I didn't want to going to my mustache. That's you right. Know? <laughs> you, can't know, have, you can't have tears in the mustache. Nah, that's, nah. You know. Not chest. Nah, nah, it's not chest worthy. <laughs> All right, we're going to talk about the second album in just a second. We're going to take a quick break. Well, what had happened was... Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. I'm over Mike Eagle, and we are still with our esteemed guest, Mr. Prince Paul. That's right, Chess Rockwell. Chess Rockwell, I'm sorry. Let me not get it wrong. You can call me Chester. I, I will, because <laughs> now the name makes sense. <laughs> Before, it was just like I was saying a body part, but now, now. So we discussed the forming of the group Handsome Boy Modeling School, and we talked through the first album a little bit, but there was a second one. And, you know, when you look at the list of collaborators on the second album, Mike Patton, Barrington Levy, Jack Johnson, Cat Power, you know, Mike Shinoda, Lincoln Park, basically. Yeah. It seems Pharrell you have on this album. Oh, recording Pharrell. I'll tell you that story. That was interesting. Well, we can just go ahead and start there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd have to say the second album took us a while to record because I think the second one came out in 2005. 2004. 2004? Yeah. yeah. So it was a few years before we got to the next one. But y'all started working on it pretty soon after the first one came out? No, nah, not really. Okay, okay. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Not, not really. But there was delays too because at that time, Tommy Boy had gone under. And so our second album, because Warner Brothers was the distributor, they took over the catalog for Tommy Boy. So then we had to find a home for it. Was the original deal a two-album deal? Um, or y'all just kind of like re-signed? I think it was two albums. Okay. Yeah. And so, you know, we started recording under Tommy Boy, but then Tommy Boy went defunct. And then Electra took the project mm -hmm. and put it out. So that was a bit of a delay as well in that process is looking at the timeline between the two albums. And then we wanted to do something a little different. And by this time, talking to Dan and talking about to collaborate, I know we wanted to go a little more alternative-y, mm. for lack of a better word. And that's Dan's wheelhouse. I mean, he's the connect master with all the people in that world. Right. So that made it go in that vibe. I know for Pharrell, I was always a big fan. And right before we recorded, I met Pharrell. Mm -hmm. It's funny, I have the picture, because I had my son, because he was young, and my daughter, she was really little. And he came out, they came out to Long Island. I was a big fan of the first Nerd album. I was like, oh my God, this is so incredible. Like, I like a huge fan. And so he spotted my daughter in the crowd, because she was on my shoulders. She had, like, big puffs and stuff. She <laughs> was a cute little girl. And then he saw it was me, you know, it's like, oh. And then afterwards, like, hey, man, oh, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, built up a rapport, and, you know, he was a fan. Oh, man, Prince Paul, I love your work. And so my kids are looking like, and I'll just go through this real quick, like, Dad? Like, <laughs> wait, hold on. He's Pharrell. And you, Dad? Really? And it blew their mind, especially right. my son. He's like, what? <laughs> so I built up some rapport with him, you know, able to exchange numbers and stuff. So when we were recording the album, I was like, yo, we should get Pharrell. 
we bumped into each other when I was with Dan one time too. And so, you know, Dan knows him. And so it all kind of worked out, but it was my job to record Pharrell. Mm. Now, mind you, this is 2000, what, two, maybe three when we're recording this. And he's at the height of his. Yeah, he's big. What, at, at, at his Neptune. Yeah. You know, career. like the biggest producers in the world. <sighs> yeah. This isn't easy. So right. I'm, I'm looking at it. I was like, I got to get it done for the group. All right, man. So I contact him. like, yeah, man. And he's getting back to me sporadically. But he's being nice with it because they have to get back to me at all. Yeah, Paul. Yeah, you know, I'm going to be in New York doing the show during this time. Yeah, just come through and da da I'm like, oh, but how am I going to record him? But like, I couldn't find no space and time to record him. So I followed him to a show. I was able to get him a CD of the song. His security would not let me. I was like, hey, Damn. hey. Like, I'm like, wait, I, I know him. <laughs> yeah, sure you do, son. <laughs> They're just pushing me. I'm trying to get close. They're like, ah. But he invited me. I guess I got, no, 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 no. Finally able to get him CDs. like, cool. The next time we recorded him, it was another show. And that was recorded in the green room. Wow. That was recorded backstage. Kamikaze recording. I think this time we stepped up, we had a digital portable recorder. Oh, right. With Mike D, it was just like a four-track cassette. Wow. And recording him, he has headphones on here in the background, and he's just singing to the track, kind of just going along with it. Are there people there? In the room? In the green room. Yeah, of and, course. And, and did he tell them to be quiet or anything? I think people, you know, quieted down. They knew we, you know, we were recording. Okay. But there's still, like, people milling outside. You know <sighs> you know how it is at a show. We're talking yeah. about not a small show. We're talking about a pretty sizable yeah, event. Yeah, yeah he's this nerd. Yeah. You know? And so that was... <laughs> <laughs> that was by any means necessary. And that's how we recorded. And I always remember that because it wasn't easy. But I was so happy that we got it done. I think even the coolest thing about that, and I, I love Pharrell for it, is there's been times in my life where I'd ask people, hey, do this project, that my budget's whatever. Mm-hmm. Yo, man, I don't get nothing less than three zeros or four zeros after the first number, son. And, you know, I was like, hey, man, I want to square out the paperwork and get you paid. It's like, yeah, don't worry about it. Mm. That's incredible. He's the big name. You know what I mean? I had dudes who like, you know, I'm, I'm wood in the hood. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, man, but I need blah, blah, blah. And I need, I'm like, oh, I don't have that budget, but I can give you. He's like, I don't worry about it. That's amazing. I mean, because the first thing that I thought listening back through this and saw his name and heard him like, oh, this album's fucking expensive. <laughs> you know? it, yeah, it would make you think that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it seems like the, the impression I'm getting from looking at these names is that it seems like it was a lot more of an expensive album than the first one. Yeah, I mean, you know, we stepped up a few things. We stepped up the quality of our recording. I would never say step up talent, but we have just bigger names. Big, bigger, I would guess. Big, yeah, more well known names. Yeah. I think in the second album, but a lot of it is based on relationships. And I have to give Dan credit and say it's heavily based on his relationships with people, and that's that's how we rolled. I noticed there's more skits on this one. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You have a skit kind of tying the whole thing together yeah, yeah. with David. <laughs> We got my man Heinz Buchanan on it. Oh, man, Heinz. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah. I, I met Heinz with um, when we did the politics of the business tour with him and AC alone. He's rolling with AC alone. Yeah. Oh, so Ace opened for the tour or was on, was on the tour with you or how did that work? Yeah. We were fighting on who goes. Oh, I see. It was like a co-headline kind of thing. Yeah, but I didn't want to go last. <laughs> I, it, it, you it, didn't want to nah, go? No, nah, it wasn't one of those things where I'm like, I want to go last. I was like, come on, ACL, you go last. Like, like you were you were DJing or what was your show like? For oh, you? man. My show was just like, oh, I miss those days. My show is, is like almost like vaudeville. You know oh, okay. what I'm saying? It, it's, it's, you know, a lot of it's bringing people on stage, laughing, joking, putting music in it, DJing in between. Okay, cool. Uh, you know, it, it, it's very bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> It's very, it's a lot of fun. Now, like, you know, AC alone, I'm, you know, I rock with the Project Blowed out in LA. So, like, yeah. Ace and Hines, those are, that's fam. You know what I mean? It's awesome to hear Hines on the album. You got him doing a Jay Z impression. No, he's doing RZA. He's doing RZA. And that's part of the reason why I'm doing it on the album was from doing that tour. Okay. You know, we would go back at the stage and he would just go, doo, 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 doo. yo, what's up, kid? It's the RZA Wector, <laughs> son. You know what I'm saying? He'd be like, ah! <laughs> Yo, I'm in the house, Wu-Tang. Yo, to impress you, to take you out on a perfect romantic date, my idea for that is to pick you up in a Wu-Mobile brought to you by Chrysler. A Wu-Mobile? You know, the crab <laughs> And so, so people would just be like, oh! 
<laughs> we just get a giggle out of ah, I didn't think Wu Tang's here. Be like ah, and trolling so, your own fans. Man. What it was? It was the best. <laughs> I was like, yo, yo, do it again. Do that. Yo, yo, son, kid, Wu Tang. It was funny too because you got him doing an impression. Of RZA on the album, and then you actually got RZA on the album <laughs> too. That's got to be the first time in history that's ever happened. Oh, okay. when somebody's got somebody doing an impression of somebody and the real person. Okay, let me tell you this story. If I haven't, well, of course, I haven't mentioned it on this podcast. I had RZA and AG rhyming on the song. Yeah. I didn't tell RZA because I don't share too much information. I had somebody impersonate him on this thing. So RZA was out traveling, and RZA's <laughs> telling me this. He's like. Yo, son, I was out uh, somewhere overseas, and these kids like, yo, yo, I really like you on the Handsome Boy record. He's like, yeah, man, thanks, man. He's like, yeah, you know, I do what I do. He's like, nah, man. They said, yo, it's really funny, man. You did a great job. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said, yo, a few kids was coming up to me like, yo, really love what you did on the Handsome Boy record. Yo, it was funny. He's like, God, and he really paid no buy until somebody came up and I was like, yo, and they played it. And he said he never heard it before. But at the time, he kept on going, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he couldn't say it wasn't him. <laughs> <laughs> he's just like, yeah, yeah, thanks, man. You know how you know, Prince Paul is. He's like, yo, anybody else, Paul? I'd have been really mad. <laughs> he said, but, ah, oh, this is Paul. That's how he, He's just silly like that. So That's I got, ooh, I got a pass. <laughs> I was wondering if he had heard it, but. He, he heard it, but he stumbled he onto it. <laughs> he had out the kids like, yo, man, you're so funny, man. He's like, yeah, 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 man. So who did the Jay-Z impression? Def Jeff. Okay, wow. Yeah, man. It's so good. <laughs> what Def Jeff? He was doing Jay-Z imp- impression before people were doing Jay-Z impression. <laughs> Remember, it wasn't that popular. It wasn't. Then. It wasn't. <laughs> but it, and it was so good. So was there anybody on this album or anybody who y'all wanted to get for this album but couldn't? Y'all had such big names. Oh, like, man, that we couldn't get? Yeah. I know we was happy to get Oats from Hall & Oats because we was like, oh, would no be ill to get Oats. <laughs> 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 that's, that's just so cool, man. <laughs> Handsome boy in oats. That's you know, hilarious. You know, there's something to be said about a name. He's like, and he was mad cool. Yo, I, I got pictures from that now day, he had, Now, he has a serious mustache. He oh, still, did what? Did he still have that mustache when he came in? Nah, he shaved oh, it. Oh, weak. <laughs> and we mentioned that. It's like, what happened to the mustache? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was handsome. But I, I can't think of anybody who we tried for that we couldn't get. Our goals weren't super lofty. You know, yeah. we keep it within reason. I think, I think we wanted to get Missy. Mm. I think it was one person we wanted to get, but we didn't have a connect for Missy. You know, and we had a beat too. Oh, I still have the beat. Dan put it together. He put the initial skeleton of it together. And that beat was crazy. Oh my God. But we couldn't, we, we, yeah. Couldn't we, figure out a way yeah, yeah. We didn't have a, a connect. I, I, weirdly enough, I worked with Missy on the Chris Rock record, but that was Chris Rock being Chris Rock. Right. You know, it had nothing to do with piddly little Prince Paul. <laughs> but she was like, and you are. <laughs> oh, okay. But I noticed that y'all got a guest on here who was somebody who people hadn't heard in a long time. And that was your old Native Tongues collaborator, Drez. Oh, Drez. From Black Sheep. Yeah. I remember this was a huge deal at the time because I hadn't heard Drez on a record in years and years and years. Wow, I didn't even think of that. Yeah. yeah. So so I was wondering. So I guess y'all weren't thinking about it that way. Y'all weren't thinking of like y'all were bringing him back out. We were just thinking handsome. And we were thinking like, yo. Yeah, he's, a hands, he's classically handsome Oh, guy. yeah. He's, yeah. he's smooth. Yeah, and, man. you know, he has that Drez style to him. And I think the whole time, because he's matured and he's changed and whatever. I was like, nah, man, give me the old dress. Yeah, yeah. Yo, and he's smoother. I was probably getting on his nerves at some point. <laughs> nah, man, I need he the say old on dress. The, he say on the beginning of the song how he didn't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I was pushing him. Come on, man. That was uh, interesting. But yeah, it was good to collaborate with Dredd because I haven't really worked with him at that point, probably since the second Daylight record, mm. like actually sitting in the studio with him, you know? So you're talking about 10 plus years at that point. Yeah, that was, that was, it was a minute, right? Yeah. yeah. Since Daylight Soul's dead. So all told, you guys went bigger in a lot of ways, more alternative in some ways, also some very hardcore hip hop songs in this album. How was this one received by people? People liked it. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, oh, yes, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, handsome boy. Did but it wasn't like the first record. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, you know, the first record just had such a core following yeah. to it, you know, and, and a vibe that people were really into. I think this one might have been, it's funny, 
for lack of a better word, commercial. Because it's not mm-hmm. even commercial. And I could feel it too. Something that, you know, had kind of changed in, in how we recorded and how we did everything. Like between y'all, the actual workflow kind of thing? Yeah, I think that bit. too. It was a little more isolated, mm-hmm. you know, as before where we just sat down and just worked together and kind of so laughed didn't a go, lot. So y'all didn't go rent any movies of people walking nah, nah. Down the hill? <laughs> oh, oh, what if Dan still... Oh, I don't think he... Yeah, we rented it, man. Oh, yeah, it was like... <laughs> it was like an hour worth of that. I was like, people make videos of this? <laughs> We're like, ah, 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 ah. but um, yeah, none of that. So I think that changed the vibe and recording process a bit. Like I said, it was more like, I got this idea. Okay, mm-hmm. I got this idea. And it wasn't like how we said, here, add this, go back for it, back for it. <laughs> it wasn't as fun. It wasn't as fun. It was still fun. Right. But it wasn't as fun. Um, Did you think that the record sounds like it wasn't as fun? Oh, I have to think of the record. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. it sounds a little more organized, right? Structured. Yeah, a, the better word. Yeah, yep, structured. Okay. It sounds very structured. And where the first album was just like ah, you know, it's like whatever. Yeah, this is cool, and we're just kind of just you know doing whatever we do. This one sounded like we were on a mission. <laughs> So after this project comes out, y'all, for lack of a better term, like break up as a group? Uh, Yeah. We parted ways, Mm -hmm. you know, and I don't want to get into the sticky details of it, but it was a business thing. Mm -hmm. And that couldn't get sorted out at the time. I think his management at the time just didn't see eye to eye what I was doing because I work a certain way. And he worked a certain way, well, under that particular management, and it just didn't work. Mm -hmm. And we didn't communicate properly, I think, was what happened with me and Dan. It's like, I was trying to really discuss it with him, and instead it was talk to the manager. And that's where things kind of fell short, and I was like, eh. And it was tough to leave. It was tough to kind of say, I, you know, not to do this anymore, especially when you see fans with a mustache and a blazer (laughs) on. Like, I thought more of the fans, but... When things just didn't add up and things weren't going around, like, well, what's this or why is this? And why am I getting a bill for this? And mm-hmm. where did, you know, it, it, things just, you know, math is very simple. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So that didn't work out. So I had to part ways. But it was right before my mom had passed mm-hmm. and, and she helped me with the decision. And I remember sitting there literally, like, almost in tears, like, oh, I don't know what to do. It's like, I, this is going on, you know, with the band. But it's the fans. And, da, da, da. and she was like, and, and then we were due to make a third record. But was there a deal on the table for a third yes. record? Oh, there was that's a deal on the tough. Table okay. For a lot of money. Oh, man. Well, it was a lot of money when you don't have much money, but it was exactly. a good I mean, it was major money. label money because yeah. y'all put out through Electra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was good money. And man, you know, I was like, mom, she's like, you know, of course, as moms would say, there's no uh, cost on the peace of mind mm. and i was stressed out and i was like she said well if you don't do it will you you know we'd be homeless will this happen with us no i'll be fine then keep your sanity and you keep go. your peace and you'll, you'll be all right you're, you're blessed and i'm like you know what i am okay, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm keep my pride i'm not gonna because i was it was this whole thing was stressing me out like i was right. really like stressed like stress stress and you know what when i was done and i was like yo this is it i felt so good mm. it's like weight off your shoulders. Yeah. And, and it enabled me to like come back and talk to Dan years later and for us to kind of pick up where we left off. Okay. He changed management. <laughs> <laughs> I think he saw the errors in the ways of the management. We haven't really had a nice discussion about it. It kind of, you know, kind of left it fluffy. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, moving forward now we have a better working model, you know, to go by as opposed to how we did before. And it sounds like because y'all are talking about doing another one that yeah. would be fun again. Yeah. And I have to honestly say, like, part of the reason why it hasn't happened yet is probably me and mm. my, in my. I don't want to say schedule. It's like I'm waiting to really feel super creative. And I haven't felt super creative. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. I, I don't want to make a record that people can see right through. Mm, right. You know, I'm, I, I, take, I take my records very seriously, you know, because... I always go by the standard, I think, for every record I make because music has given me so much. It helped me retire my mom till the day she died. It, it got my kids to live a certain way. I got to take care of friends. I, I employed. 
the music has given me so much that I can't do bad by it. I, there's a certain sense of loyalty I have. And that in terms of quality and, and everything else that I do and, and being very honest mm-hmm. with it. So I try to work only under those conditions and not will work for food. So right. then I could just like, oh man, it's a check. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I owe the music too much for that, you know? So I want to make sure that I'm right. But I know my window is small. You know, saying we're not kids anymore, you know, not boys. Right. Not, yeah. <laughs> handsome, handsome gentlemen. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're handsome seniors. <laughs> right. We're really pushing towards. There's a small window. So, but I, I'm, I'm going to get it done. And then I, I put it in my head that I'm going to get it cracking um, from by the time you hear this podcast, I should have started getting some recording done. Well, then we're going to go ahead and end on that piece of good news that we can expect <laughs> more lessons that's right sixty dollars what for the, uh for the handsome boy hey man that was sixty dollars in those years man it, that's, hey, the price might have to go up that's all right though hey, you know. that's all right though times you know times is hard we need better lessons so let's 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 up the price a little bit you know what i mean i'll hey, pay hey minimum wage went up man why, right. you know what I'm <laughs> i will pay 74 dollars. hey man there you go man i like 74 that works all right well this has been another episode of What Had Happened Was. We discussed Handsome Boy Modeling School, which is available on all streaming devices. The music is everywhere, so please check it out. I'm Open Mike Eagle. Got anything you want to say on the way out this week, Mr. Prince Paul? Handsomeness is not just a look. It's a peace of mind. It is. It's a state of mind, I should say. It's a vibe. Yeah, man. So look in the mirror and kiss yourself. <laughs> and say, clean the mirror after that. Please, it. you disgusting, and disgusting say, person. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. Catch y'all next week. We out. Peace. Later.